You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Praise God. Let's just, um, let's start with prayer. Let's, let's thank the Holy Spirit for who he is to us and acknowledge him. There's so much power in the acknowledgement of the things of God. Acknowledging him in our lives. The Bible says that if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he'll direct our paths. That's a very supernatural thing that happens when God begins to orchestrate our paths. And it says that's tied to our acknowledgement of God. The acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's been given to be our helper, but he's not going. There's, there are things that we won't walk in or experience in him until we acknowledge him. He's not pushy. He doesn't push his way in. He waits to be invited. The enemy is a pusher. He's pushing. He's driving. He's trying, you know, he, push, 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 push. You know, God's not like that. He's not, he's not pushy. When you're feeling pushed, pushed, pushed towards something in any, any area, making decisions or in, in certain, you know, maybe relationship aspects or something, when there's a pushing, pushing, drive, 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 come on, come on, that's not God. He nudges. He prompts. He gives promptings. He invites, you know. He, he doesn't, but he never pushes. I love that about him. Makes, makes you want to serve him even more, I think. When you, when you just look at some of these aspects of his nature, how he has every right to, to force us to do things, and yet he never forces us to do anything. In fact, you know, he went to the extents that he went to so that salvation could be offered to us, and yet he, with all that he did, he steps back and says, you choose. That's how he is. That's his nature. And I love that about him. And, you know, every day we ought to reiterate our choice to him, that I'm choosing you. I choose life today. Sometimes you do have to make it on a daily basis because there's things that are trying to push its way into our lives that, uh, you know, whether it's negative emotions, whether it's things trying to control us, things trying to overtake us, that, you know, the enemy pushing. And, but there's a power in us just even verbally saying out of our mouth, I choose you. I choose you. Because the enemy has to respect your will. He wants you to believe that you have no choice but you always have a choice. We have a choice. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. So, Father, today we just say, Father, we choose you. We choose you. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge who you are to us. We acknowledge your spirit who's been given to us as our helper, as our teacher, as our guide. Oh, we're so thankful for who you are in our lives. We're so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful to be able to know you and, and, and draw near to you because of Jesus and his blood that was shed for us, that, that we, can, we can come, we can draw near, we can come to the, pro, we can approach your throne of grace 
where you said we'll always find mercy for our failures and grace to help in good time for every need. So I, 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 I just... Lord, we come. I, I, I pray that each person in here would come to that throne of grace today and find mercy where they need it. Find mercy where they've made mistakes, where the enemy might be badgering them with guilt and condemnation. I thank you, Father, that your mercy extends towards them today because of the blood of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for grace to help today. Father, there are needs in this room, many needs many of which we, we, we may not even know, needs in, in, in our hearts, in our soul, things that people have that they may be petitioning you about. Lord, I ask you for the grace to help today, Lord. Grace, grace, where they have needs, Father, that they would receive the help. And it starts with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right here, even as we come to your word, we know that you are helping us and that as we receive your word, that it is strengthening us and quickening us. And we declare that it's going in and taking root in our hearts and that it'll bear forth fruit. It'll bear results in Jesus' name. I declare that we are good ground and, and the word of God bears fruit in our lives. And so we thank you for that, Father. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you would have to say to us. We want to receive, you know, answers, your instruction. And that's what we can expect every time that we come together. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you're here right in the midst of us, and you're speaking, and you are moving, just as you did when you walked, when Jesus walked the earth, he went about doing good healing all of those who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Father, I thank you for oppression to leave today. Anybody who's come in here with oppression, whether it's physical oppression or whether it's mental oppression, I take authority over it in the name of Jesus, and I command, I command it to loose God's people that they'll have a, a, the, the, the freedom and the, and the peace to be able to just receive from you today, undistracted and unhindered. I remove, I just, I, I, I command every hindrance to be removed. Everything that would stop the flow of your spirit into their lives. And we thank you, Father. We expect, Father, our expectation is for great things to take place. And that, Lord, you'll demonstrate and you'll confirm your word with signs and wonders following we look to you and we lean upon you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Make, it, make that your expectation. Don't ever come to church without expecting something. Maybe you just, you know, hardly made it today. <laughs> you feel like you're just trying to keep your head above the water. Expect that that'll change. Expect to be helped. We've been given a helper. You know, in the Old Testament, I love the verses in the Old Testament that talk about God as our help. It talks about, you know, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. It talks about how God is our very present help in time of trouble. How, you know, he, there's so many verses about that, about lifting and crying out for help even. But in the New Testament, the helper has already come. You have help. 
It's just a matter of acknowledging, acknowledging him. And I believe he's helping us. I believe he'll help us today. He'll help, he'll help me to, to articulate, to, to get out what needs to get out. And will you believe that with me, that, that we'll, we'll go the course that needs to go? We'll say, you know, I'll be able to say with the help of the Holy Spirit what needs to be said. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll hit the mark on what he's wanting to do so that we can be helped this week, even as we go back to our homes and about the things that, that, that God has entrusted us with. We'll be helped. We'll be helped. And it's just so natural because he's our standby. He's always standing by ready to help. We should never. I mean, Isaiah 41.10 says, There is no reason to fear or be dismayed because I'm with you and I will help you. We should never. There's, that, there's always hope in that, isn't there? If you know that you know that God is going to help you in a certain situation, there's hope. You can't be hopeless because he's the almighty, because <laughs> there's none greater than him, because he's the all-knowing, omniscient, all-powerful. And so if God was going to help you in whatever issue you're facing, maybe your marriage, maybe your job, maybe your finances, if you knew, if you knew that God was going to help you, you might not feel so bad about it anymore, right? Well, you can know. How can you know? He said, Isaiah 41.10, I will help you. So let's believe the word. And let's remind ourselves of that. Praise God. So many times, you know, when, when the enemy tries, I've, I've experienced, just off of that one scripture, I've experienced so much uh, salvation in my life. When the end, you know, when oppression or depression's trying to come in, or a lot of times that happens when you start to feel discouraged and you start to feel like a failure, or you start to feel the enemy starts just in your ear, you know, attacking your identity about who you are and something's wrong with you and you're never going to change. Well, that'll, that'll drive you down. <laughs> but when you just look at that verse, Isaiah 41.10, where he says, there is nothing to fear. He said, don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear because I'm with you. Don't look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll harden you to difficulties. I will help you. <laughs> Praise God, that'll lift you up out of a pit. Just the knowledge. He, and that's, that's really actually one of the, the um, pictures that we get from the word helper that he uses for the Holy Spirit. is somebody that'll get into the pit with you and pull you out. Maybe you feel like you're trapped. You're in a pit. You don't know how to get out. You're not alone. He says, I will help you. Say, I am being helped by God. He is helping me in every area of my life. He's helping me in my home, at my work, with my family, with all my affairs. God is helping me. Praise God. So we're not going to be dismayed. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to fear. Hallelujah. 
look around us. We're not going to be dismayed by what we see going on in the world. We're seeing the signs of the times. And yet the word of God, man, there's so many exciting things that, that um, you can actually get excited about as you see what God has spoken about what will take place. Praise God. And so today what I wanted to touch on, I wanted to start with, um, it's kind of a, a transitional uh, message today. Uh, of course, Pastor Joe, how many of you have enjoyed this series on covenant wealth? Covenant with God. Praise God. It was so, I mean, there was such a... Um, such an anointing for, for what he was preaching when you were preaching the last time about recovery. There was such an anointing. I could feel the fire of God in the room for that to take place in our lives. Praise God, we even had a situation this week where somebody needed to recover something, and we prayed that prayer, the anointing to recover. And the whole thing just turned around. Praise God. I hope that you will take that and that you'll hold on to that and that you'll take it seriously in the areas of your life. Man, don't, don't just, okay, we've passed a series, you let it go. Man, that, that's been given to equip us for even the things that lie ahead, things that we're dealing with. There is an anointing that has been provided for us through the, give, through the word of God, through the revelation that he's giving us on covenant to go and to recover some things. How many of you are believing to recover some things? There are things to be recovered. Praise God. And I, that's what we are contending for for you all. That things that the enemy has stolen, time that he's stolen, emotional energy, family relationships, you know, he, he'll, you let him, he'll, I mean, he'll go to town, right? Pastor Mark always says that, uh, you know, there's a story of, about one of David's mighty men who defended a bean field. I mean, he, I mean, he risked his life over a bean field, and he's, I mean, he fought until the sword was, like, stuck in his hand. And, and Pastor Mark said, I wondered, why did he make such a big deal over a bean field? And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He said, because if you let the devil take your bean field, he'll take your whole Mexican, you know, meal. It's not just the beans. It's the whole enchilada, everything. He'll take everything that you'll, you give him an inch, he'll take a yard. He'll take everything. He doesn't even wait to be invited. He'll push his way in. You've got, to, you've got to say, I'm not giving an inch. I'm not giving an inch. And part of that's just saying, I'm not going to accept anything that Jesus died to free me from. I may not be walking in all of it yet. I, I may be learning how to appropriate all of that, but I'll never lay back and just accept it if I know that Jesus died. I'm going to keep going for it. I'm going to keep learning more how, how, to, how to fight this fight of faith. I'm going to keep, keep aiming and pressing for that prize. I'm not going to just accept any of that because the enemy won't stop there, right? You let him take your finances, he'll take your family, he'll take whatever, he'll take your health, he'll take it all. But we're not, we're, there's, we, we've got some warriors in here that I know aren't giving an inch, and there's some recovery that's going to be taking place. 
recovery, things that are owed back to us, even things where the enemy owes us sevenfold. Thief owes you sevenfold the peace, sevenfold the, the, the joy, sevenfold the time, sevenfold. Hallelujah. Things returned. And so praise God. This, uh, you know, this, this message again, that's just been such a it's been such a key thing, I think, for what God is wanting to, to get us ready for. He's building our faith. Covenant builds faith, and he's giving us revelation and helping us to move forward in that. Um, and so I wanted to read uh, one of the scriptures that Pastor Joe used a lot in this, and that's 3 John uh, verse 2. And it says, uh, of course, we, you know, he, he, he went to this every week, and, and I like it in the King James Version uh, because it, he, it really emphasized, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so we're conveyed in this. Pastor Joe drove home the message that this is so important to God. And no matter what you might hear from the church that tries to refute that and say that it's not and that it's not a part of what God has promised us, it don't ever, I, I believe we've got people here that will never let that lie take root in our minds ever again. We know, we know the truth, right? This is of utmost importance to God. He didn't just die. Jesus didn't just die to save us from hell. He died to save us from all the effects of sin. Everything that sin brought into this earth, everything that it, it, it did to damage you in your life, he died to restore that. Every part that has been damaged by the curse, by sin, Jesus paid the price. Well, he's saying about that so much today. He paid the price. He did it all. It's been paid in full. And so, um, so he, he wishes above all things that we prosper and that we're in health. It's so important to God. And, of course, there's a correlation that's made here, though, and that's what I want to um, focus on today, even as thy soul prospers. And so, I, you know, I want, it's possible, I'm not sure, we haven't completely solidified if we're going to, how far down this we're going to go, but one of the things that, well, the prosperity of your soul is such a key component in this as well because it's correlating there, right? You're going to prosper in health and um, you're going to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So there is, if our soul is not prospering, there's going to be a limitation on how much of the other part we're going to be able to see. What, is, what does that mean? What does the prosperity of our soul mean? Of course, um, we know that the soul is comprised of three parts. It's comprised of your mind, and that's your thought life. It's comprised of your will. That's the part of you that ch makes choices, decisions. Every day you're making hundreds upon hundreds of decisions, and that is your decision maker, your will. And it's comprised of your emotions, your mind, your thought life, your will, where you make decisions, and your emotions. And so a prosperous soul is one where all of those things are divinely aligned with your spirit. Your spirit has, we know that when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is not a work in prog progress anymore. I hope you know that. You're not, your spirit in that 
instance you are recreated, brand new, born of God, filled with the nature of God, filled with the life of God, with the ability of God, uh, completely recreated as if sin had never existed. You know, it wasn't even a restored thing. I mean, you are, you are a new species of being when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, but your soul is the part that gives us where we, we still have to work that out in our soul. And so our minds might still, you know, if you've got wrong ways of thinking, that's going to affect your daily experience. You might have jacked up emotions, man. I mean, emotions that are just all over the place. And sometimes our will, I don't know, I've experienced that where my will, it's like something is broken. <laughs> like I keep trying to decide to do things and I never follow through with them. I mean, that's like a, a dysfunction in your will. That's like a, I mean, that's a big humanity trait, isn't it? I mean, how many of us have ever decided, I'm going to do this, and it just seems like you can't, you can't follow through with it. You keep, you know, you can't hardly, I mean, New Year's resolutions, right? I mean, that's like humanity's, you know, it's like a common trait for everybody. I mean, most New Year's resolutions last about three weeks, and then they're just, they're down the tubes. So that's a, a will misfunctioning, right? But God, when our spirit is aligned, when our soul becomes aligned with our spirit, and those, all those things are functioning in divine alignment with our new creation reality, whoo, that's when life gets good. Peace in your mind. A will that's intact and able to choose and follow through with the plan of God, making right decisions that don't derail your life and end you up in big old messes. And your emotions that are peaceful, that aren't fighting you, that aren't in turmoil, that aren't making you feel all this way, going all different directions, but a solid, calm, emotional state. Do you believe that's possible? You know that's possible. You know, much of the world would probably question if that's possible. We've gone to medication. We just resigned ourselves as a society. Well, we'll just have to medicate our way there because, man, I don't know how, how the heck to, to, to deal with this anxiety, with all of this stuff. And there's nothing. I'm not knocking medication. I'm just saying if, if, you're doing it from a, if we're doing it from a standpoint of thinking there's no other way, then we've just resigned ourselves. This is actually a part of what Jesus paid for. He paid for this. This is possible. Restoration of our soul. And so that, you know, when we're talking about the prosperity of a soul, we're talking about your day. I mean, it really, those are the things that affect how you're living your life day to day, right? Your happiness, your sense of well-being. All of those things come out of your soul. And God desires that we prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. So, so soul, the condition of our soul is a major piece of, of what even we need to be focusing on and giving attention to as born-again believers. It should not, it cannot be ignored. If we ignore the condition of our soul, we're not going to, we can talk about prospering and being health and all these wonderful things till we're blue in the face and we're not going to experience it because our soul will continually sabotage that, that, that wellness in our lives, in the rest of our lives. And so, man, I don't want my soul to sabotage me anymore. 
right? Uh, and so, um, so what is happening in our soul is a controlling factor in how we experience life and whether we will experience what God has given, the life that he has ordained for us. We know that the, the Bible talks about the salvation of our soul. It talks about how, uh, you know, it's, it's a renewal process. Uh, it even calls one, you know, there's different terms that will refer to that. One is the renewing of the mind. In Romans 12, 1, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your transformation in your life takes place as you change the way your mind becomes renewed, restored, brought back to health, healthy thinking, healthy believing, healthy thought life that's not all jacked up and full of lies. You know that a lot of people live, part of the problem is, is when we begin to accept and meditate on lies that, and we don't have the word of God in front of us as a standard or as a measurement by which to, to, to really distinguish what's lies and what's not, our mind begins to be filled with lies about who we are, about God, about, I mean, there's a, a, a large part of society that they think their thoughts are full of lies. And those lies, man, they, they bring bondage. They jack up your, your emotional state. They jack up your soul. And so uh, every week, you know, even what we're doing here today when we come together, this is mind renewal. We go to the Word. We talk about things. We, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide us in, in how we think about things and discussions. Of, you know, the, 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 we're renewing our mind. The, the objective is to renew our mind, but, of course, Sunday is not enough. There has to be a, a, a daily process of this or else, you know, you're up against, a, a, you know, one day, one, two hours in one day versus a whole week of other things when you're not renewing your mind mind it's it's a hard it's a hard you know it's hard to catch up to that right you need more than just Sunday morning and how and so we need to be focusing on this soul health every day and I want to encourage you if there is if you find yourself in a place where man turmoil you know you're in turmoil you know your emotions aren't well you know that you thought your mind is jacked up you know you know your anxiety and depression and all of that is attacking don't just try to ignore it or try to escape it or try to, to, to forget about it through other things. <laughs> Allow God. Come. One of the biggest keys to this is bringing that state to the one that will help us with it <laughs> instead of just trying to escape it. Bringing it to God. A lot of, so a lot of flows out of our soul, a lot of the decisions we make, the thoughts we think, and our emotional state, all of that comes out of our soul. And um, one of my favorite verses about this is Romans, uh, Psalm 23. Uh, I, love, I love this chapter, um, you know, because it talks about the Lord as our good shepherd and his role in our lives to, to bring us into more than enough, you know, peaceful pastures and all of this. There's so many wonderful verses in this chapter, but really a lot of it is centering around this idea of the restoration. He restores our soul. He restores our soul. And that's how we're able to experience his provision as, you know, our shepherd who causes us to always have more than enough, who protects us, who leads us, who guides us. All of that comes out of a restored soul. And so a restored soul is, is, is necessary to be able to reveal who we are in Christ, 
what's who we really are on the inside. It's necessary to be able to experience the abundance of God, the provision of God as our good shepherd. It's necessary to change behavior. You want to change behavior, it's got to start from a restored soul. That's where the church has really, un, you know, not served the people well, I'm talking as an institution, because we've tried to change behavior without bringing into that place of restoration in our soul. So we're just trying to, to do better, trying to be right, trying to, to have this behavior change, and our soul is a mess, and you can't change behavior until your soul is restored. And so a, a restored soul, I mean, when you look at Psalm 23, you know, it you see that it's necessary even to, to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But, but before that, he's restoring our soul. That's the first step, the restoration of our soul. We're not just trying to buck up and produce change in our lives. We cannot do that until we allow him to restore our soul. And so, you know, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. So I'm going to give you three or four things, four things about soul restoration. Um, you know, we're limited, of course, in time and how far we can go. But I'm going to give you four things uh, concerning this. And, and then there's one, one area that I want to touch on. Um, you know, I've been listening to a series by Brother Moore, and it's called Separated from Sin, which is essentially talking about this process of sanctification in our soul, the salvation of our soul. And, um, and there were some things that he spoke there that we really felt like, you know, we've got, we've got to, we need to say this. We need to have this communicated amongst us. So we're going to touch on some things even about some things to look out for in this process. So Lord will help us, right? Um, number one, it starts with, verse two, lying down in green pastures. What does that mean? Coming to the end of ourselves, resting from our own labor, from your striving. You're trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Resting from that and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring nurture he leads me beside the still waters. So he's making you lie down, rest in green pastures, and leading you beside still waters. So much of the problem in today's society is that nobody will stop from the busyness to do anything. And people even in the midst of, of life-threatening conditions so many times cannot even bring themselves to pull back and stop and rest and seek God and just shut everything else down because it's just noise, 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 go, go, go. I got to do this, got to do that. We have got to, if you want to be effective in God, you have got to enforce rest and stop time where you shut everything down, you stop striving, and you allow nurture to come into your soul through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through the love of God. How does your soul get nurtured? It gets nurtured by receiving His love. Did you know that? Like, just the, the, the fact that he loves you no matter what you've done. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. How he sees you, his, his heart towards you. Sometimes in the, in the grind and in all of the, the lies, we lose sight of that. And you've got, to, you've got to let him nurture you in that. You've got to receive his love. And nothing will work right without it. We must 
It's what casts out fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. It's what strengthens us. It's what enables us to be filled with him. It says in Roman, uh, in Ephesians 3, uh, verses the end of the chapter 16, and on this, one of the Pauline prayers, a prayer that we encourage you to pray over your life, it talks about when we understand his love by experience, then we'll be strong to be filled with all the fullness of him. We must receive his love. So the nurture of the Holy Spirit, lying down, resting from your labor, coming to his grace. Grace is a place of rest. You're not striving. You're not, it's not about you. It's, it's, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself, lest anyone could boast. You're taken out of the picture. This will nurture your soul when you start to meditate on these things, to feed on the grace of God, to feed on the love of God will be begin to nurture your soul. And that's the starting point for soul restoration. And it's got to be a place of rest, stillness, not go, 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 go. You stop, you give him time, you give him space, and he'll minister to you. He'll minister to you. And so the, that's the starting point. And then, and then this number two is, is giving place to the word. You know, not just about being quiet. You've got to be consuming the word. Jesus is the word of God. He's the word made flesh. And, and he is the one who will nurture us and reveal himself to us as we give place to the word. So when our soul is a mess, the only answer, there is no answer outside of the word. Well, I go to the word and I don't feel any different. You don't stop. I mean, even if you just read it out loud and, and you feel like nothing is happening, if you, you, that's your answer. And you'll be surprised how quickly, I've been surprised so many times, how quickly, just a few minutes, where the word, actually, I start to connect with the word and everything just changes. It doesn't even take long. Some of you think, oh, it's going to take years, you know. No, you just give it a few minutes. The power is so much greater than everything else that, that you're, that, that's coming against you. James 1.21 says that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. So the word of God has the power to save your mind, to save your emotions, and to restore your will so that you can follow through on the plans and purposes, the things that you desire in your heart to do, that you know are right, that you know are good for you, that you just can't ever seem to follow through on. When your will is restored and strengthened, you'll be able to follow through on it. God restores that area of our lives, and the Word is able to save that. And then number three, there must be, it's the, well, it's the process of sanctification in our lives. But there has to be a place where a separation starts to form. Because if you're not, and what do I mean? Separated from what? Separated from the way of this world. Separated from all of the things that, you know, sin. If we're constantly yielding to or engaging to that, our soul becomes, we're in a cycle of our soul being, because sin is really one of the biggest things that will damage our soul. That could be anything. It could be the things that we often think of. It could be anger problems. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness. It could be, uh, uh, you know, sexual addictions. It could be things that you know that are outside of the will of God that, that, 
man, every time you yield to that, it's like your soul becomes damaged, becomes bruised up, becomes, it's becoming, it, it, it creates the need for restoration. And God will do that. The word will do that. But in the process of that, there has to be a separation where that starts to separate. That's the process of sanctification. Sanctification means to be separated from things that are holding you back and to be separated unto God. Separated unto God. And so that, that's where I want to take a quick, a quick pause. Because when we talk about sanctification, um, that holiness, holiness is a part of that. And that's something that, man, we, uh, we have a lot of things that maybe have given us a distorted picture of what holiness is. And um, it's important to understand what it's not. You know, sanctification is not our own efforts at just living this perfect life and us trying to produce that. Holiness is not, uh, you know, so many times what people call holiness is, is uh, man's standards or code of conduct or way that if we live this way, then, uh, then we are holy. And that's not what holiness is. I mean, really, if you come down to it, holiness is really just Christ-likeness. It's imitating Jesus, living after him, following him, and not following the course of the rest of this world. And we know, if you've, if you've been here at Life at Christ Church very long, um, you've heard us at some point talk about identification, the new identity, and your discovery of that new identity through the word. And that is actually what will produce sanctification and holiness, separation from sin it when you when you when this new identity becomes a reality in your life in your subconsciousness because our identity and how we view ourselves it shapes how we how we live our lives as a man thinks in his heart so is he if you believe yourself to be something you will perpetuate that in your life and so there must be, a, for, for, soul, for soul health, prosperity of our soul, there has to be a place where things, you know, if you're a new Christian, things from the past, there starts to be a separation. Old ways of living, old ways of doing things, there's a separation between that. How does that happen? It happens through the identity process, discovering what God says about you and who he says you are, and letting that become a reality in you, in your belief system. Uh, and so uh, Ephesians, let's turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles or the rest of the world walks, people without God. In the futility of their mind, their understanding is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. This is the condition of the world without God. Do you realize that? There is no, uh, you know, wisdom. Uh, and, and even the brightest minds and, and the ones that think that they have all the answers without God, this is their condition. State of ignorance. A state of alienation from God's life a state of blindness in their hearts 
with understanding darkened, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What is the spirit of your mind? That's your deepest subconsciousness. That's not just up here, head knowledge. That's like down to the part of you that does things instinctively without you even realizing it. Things are happening and taking place out of that deep part of your subconsciousness. And that's where we've got to let the word of God penetrate down to that deepest part, the part that you're not even aware of, that has been formed through life. The word of God will penetrate and renew you down to the just the basic level, I mean, the, the, the very core of your consciousness. Praise God. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a true righteousness and a true holiness. And this is what, this is what causes that separation. Learning how to put off the old and put on the new. There's so much to be said about that. I can't, I can't get into what I would want to get into on that right now. But, you know, even as we were looking at that and what, you know, you know, this separation from, we're not afraid to talk about those things here. We're not afraid to talk about, you know, we're not going to conform to the societal pressure to, you know, politically correct pressure to, to shy away from what the Bible says about sin. I mean, some churches are even afraid to talk about sin. And yet if you're afraid to deal with sin, then you're never going to get to the place of a soul, a prosperous soul. If you're afraid to, to address what God's ways are versus what his ways are not, you're never going to get to a place where your soul is thriving. We have to be able to deal with that. But then, having said that, having said that, there are things that holiness is not as well. And it's important to realize what holiness is not. Um, so let's take a, we're going to take a quick detour there, and this might be where we land it, and maybe we'll just have to come back another time for this. But in Isaiah 65, God talks about, well, let's just read it. We'll see what he's talking about. 65 verse 1. He said, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face. I don't know if this is what I was looking for. Verse 5, skip down to verse 5. They, they say to them who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. So it's talking about all the mistakes they're making, but yet, so they're not, they don't really, they don't have it together, obviously, right? They're rebellious. They're walking in ways that's not good. They're walking on their own thoughts. They're provoking him. They, they're doing all these things, but yet they say, keep to yourself. Don't come near me, for I am holier than you. He says, these are a smoke in my nostrils, 
and a fire that burns all day. Have you ever inhaled smoke? How does that feel? It's really irritating. He's saying these people really irritate me. That say that, you know, because the fact of the matter is they don't have it together anyways. Do any of us have it all together? Do any of us, can any of us say we are walking uh, just 100% in line with the will of God? You just, we are pure, perfect models of what Jesus is. Can any of us say that? Can any of us, right? If you can't, you're in good company because neither can any of us say that. And so if nobody can say that, yet have you heard those that, that, that have that kind of attitude? Don't come near me. I'm holier than you. <laughs> that is not what holiness is. It's not this, you stay away from me. Um, it's not this, uh, you know, <laughs> comparison. You know that a lot of the church, that's what it's become, a comparison. You're, and, and it all is about your thing versus my thing because I've got my own thing, but I'm going to make a big deal about your thing. <laughs> and man, that thing is really going to send you to hell or that thing. Is, so, so, I mean, we're talking about being separated from these things, but we have to understand that that's not the way to go about it, right? And we just, we, you know, even as Joe and I were talking about it, it's like, yes, that is, we just need to, Make a declaration that that is not who we are at Life in Christ Church. And I'm not saying that because I think any of you are. But it's just good to say it. I think we have a church that does have, man, a, a, a tremendous presence of the love of God. And we are a, a church that brings in people. But we've got to remind ourselves of those things. Because even maybe you don't do it here. You might be doing it at home with your family when it comes to your husband's thing versus your thing. Or you know what I mean? It's so easy to get up on our high horse sometimes, especially if we feel like we're doing good. The funny thing is, so many times when we get up on our high horse, it's about, you know, it's like you do good for two weeks, and man, you're ready to <laughs> go on a rampage on anybody that was struggling with what you just did good for. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been, I've been on course with this, but uh, you all should be doing it too. <laughs> but if it wasn't for the grace of God, <laughs> holiness is an, it's, it's, it's the grace of God that allows us to say no to temptation. It's not because we got so strong and so powerful and so spiritual that, well, we can stay home. And, and I think that was, that was just one of the things that, man, God is saying, that irritates me. That irritates me when holiness becomes a source of comparison or of contrasting or of feeling important or feeling superior to somebody else. No matter what the issue of struggle is, we've got to be careful about that because we've got a lot of things and even beliefs in Christianity that we can make mountains out of. And, man, it's like everybody has their thing that they just want to drive home. <laughs> when we were at Sight and Sound, the one time there was, uh, they made a, me a mention of the Sabbath or something. On and I think that lady really thought the church is not. There's a lady in the church, in the congregation. That's what I'm talking about! <laughs> Apparently, she thinks that we're really missing it as a church when it comes to the Sabbath. <laughs> so that's her thing. I mean, we all kind of have our thing, right? 
Maybe it's Halloween. Maybe it's Christmas trees. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Sabbath days. Maybe it's, uh, I mean, we, that so many times we can make this our thing and we can go on these rampages about it. And is that really what it's all about? <laughs> or is that just an irritant to God? Like he's just like, dang, stop. This is annoying. It's irritating. Isn't it good? <laughs> you need it too? I need it too. We all need to remind ourselves of these things. You know, and, 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 and the parable, you, th- you guys know the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee? Where the Pharisee was in there. Oh, we might as well just look at it real quick. Luke Luke 18, because there's some things that are really, really, I didn't really notice before. (laughs) But it says here in Luke 18, in verse 9, Jesus tells this parable. (laughs) He said he spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's what we really got to guard ourselves against, because there could be certain things that just make us despise others. Like, how could you do that? And you, you say you're a Christian, or how could you, how could you practice that? Or how could you, we got to be so careful about that. And it's so easy for us to fall into that. And, and so, in fact, one of the, the, the quickest ways to know that you're falling into judgmentalism is when you start thinking, how could they do that? I don't, I don't take credit for that. Brother Keith Moore, I was listening to that, and that was one of the things he brought up. I was like, oh, <laughs> Because I've said that. How could they do that? I can't believe it. I would never do that. That's, the, that's that spirit, right? <laughs> like, like theirs is worse. Like, I got my own problems, but man, that's really bad. <laughs> and that's what this Pharisee essentially is doing. He's standing there, and, and, and it says, the two men were in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Notice he was praying with himself. <laughs> He wasn't praying to God. He was praying with himself. So God wasn't really engaged in this whole act. (laughs) He's standing there in the temple in church, and he's praying, but it's not with God. He's praying with himself. He's talking to himself. I'm not like them. I thank you that I'm not like them. (laughs) I thank you that I'm not like the extortioners and the unjust and adulterers or even like that tax collector over there. (laughs) I'm so glad. I mean, gosh. Sometimes you have those thoughts, like, I'm glad I don't deal with that. I'm glad that's not my issue. I'm glad, you know, and and yet if it wasn't for the grace of God, how could any of us succeed at anything, right? And so he's like, twice a week I fast. I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm not like those heathens that don't tithe. I can't believe how he could ever not see that that's what they should be doing. You know what I mean? And so, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> who got, who got, who met God that day? <laughs> the one calling on the mercy of God. <laughs> and so, you know, we are, even as we talk about holiness, and if, if the Lord leads, you know, and even as Pastor Joe, if he, if he leads to continue in this, which we may do this for, for a little while, um, let us remember what it's not. <laughs> let us remember that holiness is not a battering ram to beat somebody over the head with. 
It's not something to, 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 to take jabs at people and tell them that they're not measuring up. That's not what holiness is. And it's not, you know, even when, when we successfully achieve separation in an area where things maybe aren't controlling us, we're not yielding to temptation like we used to, it's not for us to look at somebody else and think, well, I managed to not do that. No, like, I'm not tempted, and I don't do it. I don't, you know, I don't cheat. I don't do this. I don't lie. And, and you haven't gotten it, you know, that they, man, we don't do that, right? That's not what we do. We don't, um, and we don't, we don't hide from the rest of the world either. We're called to be lights in the world, not to be contaminated by it, but to be lights. And so, um, Praise God. I, I, I believe that that will continue to be our DNA here. That um, even when we see people messing up big time, or for the thousandth time, <laughs> we extend mercy. <laughs> you know? We don't judge. We're not going to, even sometimes we have to be careful that our speaking of the truth we're not afraid to back down from the truth, but we're not using the truth, like I said, with holiness as a battering ram. That's not how God uses the truth. Sometimes people aren't ready to hear the truth. And you know that God doesn't always tell you everything about yourself until you're ready for it. He doesn't just dump it all on you. So we don't have to be telling everybody all about themselves when they come in here. We don't have to correct everything. There is an aspect we can just... We're not the judge. We can live and we can let live. <laughs> and we can trust that God is the judge. And we can be happy. And we don't have to feel like it's our responsibility to fix the world. <laughs> and, um, man, we don't have to feel like we've got to, to fix everybody else. Praise God. That'll make a good, that's how we walk in love here. That's how we're known by our love. And that's how we live. Life, because if we're judged, if we judge, we'll be judged. I don't want to be judged. <laughs> I don't want to be judged. You know, we don't have to talk about everyone's mistakes to each other and dissect it and think about it and, and talk about why and all that. We don't have to do that. God help us. God help us. Because <laughs> what? We've all done stupid things. We've all messed up. You're good company. If that's you, that's me. I've messed up. I've given into the flesh made the same mistake for the thousandth time. <laughs> We've all done that. And yet God is merciful and his power is enough. And the gospel, the gospel, if we'll focus on the answer, which is not this pointing this way, but it's looking to him, looking vertical, focusing on, on the gospel and the message of the gospel. Man, we, we let that be our conversation. It's full of hope. It's full of Jesus. It's full of grace. Hallelujah. And when we get victory in one area, we don't have to preach it to everybody else. We can rejoice and thank God for his grace. And we actually just become a testament that the same thing that we break through can be happening for you. That if I broke through in my humanity and my whatever that I had to deal with, you can too. You can live free too. You can be restored too. You, can not, you don't have to be bound by sin. You don't have to be living in, a, in jacked up emotions and jacked up. You can, you can live free and happy and whole. And it's the grace of God. The same grace of God that helped me will help you. 
nothing's without hope. No sin problem. No addiction issue. The grace of God is greater than all of it. And the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who will believe. To save you to your soul, the depths of your soul, the depths of your consciousness, out of every, everything that has tried to hold you in bondage. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus who's done it all. Our Savior, our hero, our liberator. We can be free from everything that contaminates us, that holds us down, that hurts us. We don't have to keep sabotaging ourselves. We can live a life that's free. We can live a life where our soul is restored, is, where there's salvation. We can, and, how, and, and the, the number four. So number one, what was number one? Lying down in green pastures, coming to a place of rest. Number two, giving place to the word. Number three, there's got to be a separation. Starts with identification. But you don't, we're not going to go down the wrong path. Of in our, in, 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 in as we are allowing the blood of Jesus and the power of the gospel to produce holiness in us, we're not going into that false holiness, right? We're going to stay focused on, on, on the grace of God and, 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 and remember what he's brought us out of and that that, that can be anybody's testimony, even the worst of sinners, even the most vile of people, the most, the, the worst commit, you know, offenders. That same grace will transform them. And number four, it starts, we're always going to come back to this, right? Right here. Starts in your mouth. Starts in your mouth. Salvation. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. So what do I mean by that? Well, let me just give you this, and then and this is where we'll end. You know what Jesus made his constant confession? His life that he lived here on earth. Do you know he did not live it out of his divine power? The Bible says he laid aside his divine privilege, and he came down here. He lived it as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so what he did, he did as an example to us, to show us, to model us how to do it. And you know, one of the things he said everywhere he goes, he would say, I always do those things that please the Father. I, I always, my, my, my will, you know, I, my, my purpose, or, you know, he was always talking about his doing the will of God. Make that your statement. Make that your statement. I don't care if you messed up for the thousandth time. I don't care if you feel like you haven't lived one hour pleasing God. Make that, start to make that your statement. Follow his model. I always do those things that please the Father. I always, my, I, I choose life. I choose, I choose God. I follow him. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I know him. You start to make these kinds of declarations instead of what? I'm such a failure. Why can't I ever get it right? Why am I always messing up? I'll never, I'll never change. I don't know how to change. I don't know what's wrong with me. Man, you start saying that kind of stuff. You're just, just stomping yourself. The enemy will just beat you to the ground. We've got to give God something to work with. We've got to speak his word. Where can you start? Say what Jesus said. His identity, he always declared who he was. He always declared uh, what the, that, you know, doing the will. He declared himself doing the will of God. Let's say that. Say, I always do what pleases the Father. I always do what pleases the Father. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. The greater one is living in me. And he enables me to always do what pleases the Father. You know, you probably can't say that too much in the light of all of the negative things that has told you otherwise, thoughts that have told you otherwise. I always do what pleases the Father. And what do you do when you mess up and you don't do what pleases the Father? What do you do when you're, when you're believing God for anything and the opposite happens? That is faith. If you don't have something that contradicts what you believe, it doesn't require faith. Faith is required when something is telling you otherwise. That's when faith is kicked in. If you're believing, if you're speaking, you know, concerning healing and you get sick, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's not when you say, oh, well, it didn't work. No, this is where you're working it out now because this is where you have to hold your ground in the face of evidence trying to tell you otherwise. You choose to believe what God has said. You choose to say what he has said instead of speaking the circumstances, speaking the negativity, speaking your feelings. You speak the word. That's where faith starts. You see that. You see, I mean, many people, if, if, if the minute it contradicts, oh, well, it didn't work. No, that's where it starts. That's where your faith just was proven right there. You either proved it or you threw in the towel. Hold your ground. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Hold fast knowing that your high priest, he lives forever. He is the high priest of your confession. You hold fast and you don't let go of your confession of who you are, of what he's doing in you. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.